Greetings, my excellent friends. Dwight, ready to watch Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure? Uh, yeah, absolutely, Scott. Uh, let's let's go. Just so you know, I get really emotional watching this movie. Emotional? Why would you get emotional watching this most excellent film? If you want us to say something, what should I say? Make something up. Be excellent to each other. Party on, dudes! Good one, dude. Scott, are you crying? No. Shut up! Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. It's in the basket. The writer's bagel basket. Fifteen grand, pal. I love you. That's all I needed to hear. I'm so excited! I'm so <laughs> Don't be mean. We don't have to be mean. Because remember, no matter where you go, there you are. Hi, welcome to Writer's Bagel Basket. Greetings, my excellent friends. This is the season premiere of Writer's Bagel Basket. We are in Not Your Average Saturday Morning, and our movie is... Who is my host, and what is our movie? I, I was going to say, we're just going right into it. Hi, yeah. it's me, Dwight Stearns. I'm back for the season premiere. Let's do this. In our movie? <laughs> Oh, oh! you want me to talk about the movie? Well, this movie, as everyone knows, because they've already listened to the opening, is the most excellent Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Which is one of my favorite movies of all time. Which may become one of my favorite movies of all it's time. This so movie good. was adorable. Uh, I pre-ordered uh, number three because... If you guys don't know, we're we're in September and we're still stuck in COVID. Some people are quarantining like they're supposed to. Other people are... Not, but mm. but Orion Pictures and MGM, which I didn't know MGM still existed. I didn't know Orion still existed. Orion did. Like they've been doing direct to video or VOD. Oh, okay. Movies. They did Joe Dante's last movie, um, Bearing the Axe, which was one of Anton Yelchin's last movies. Um, oh, rip. Uh, wasn't uh, Joe Dante's last movie? Uh... Something of horror. Uh, fuck. It, it was uh, trailer park of horror. It, it was the, uh, something like that. Not trailer park. It was. Like it, park but he he like was that. doing like trailers of horror. He was like doing a documentary about movie oh, trailers. Oh, cool. I I know he directed a segment on the Mick Garris um, anthology film. Yeah. Uh, which is a horror horror shorts. His on. last full length feature film was. There we go. Um, so, uh, Orion. And MGM, were, this Bill and Ted Face the Music was going to be their big comeback to theaters. Then COVID hit, and they're like, know what? We'll release it in theaters overseas and maybe some drive-ins and whatever movie theaters 
are going to open up in this time, but mm-hmm. we'll release it on on streaming on Vudu, Amazon, Google. They're not sponsors, but they should be. Um, <laughs> and people can own the movie. And I have already bought my copy. That's awesome. Um, it's, so I think it's really a cool thing that it's been, what, 20 years? Oh, just about 20 years since the last Bill and Ted. And we are getting, finally getting 30? It was in the it was 1991. Oh my God. Oh my God. You're right. Shit. Yeah. 30 years. Wow. I'm old. Um, it's been 30 years since the last Bill and Ted movie, and we are getting like a proper sequel with. I, I watched the trailer for it, and um, it's like they got so much of the return of the cast, the original cast, to return to this. Like, that's so cool. It's, so, it's really exciting that this is clearly a passion project. So, before we dive deep, and I gush about how much I love this movie. Do you want to do the blockbuster rule? You're in a blockbuster video. You pick up the box of Bill oh, and Ted. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's new. And, or not new. I'm sure it's a thousand years old at this point. But yeah, um, okay. So Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Uh, you pick up the box, and on the front is this ex- incredibly whimsical-looking um, shot of two dudes sitting on a phone booth with uh, George Carlin's face uh, in the moon. I think that's what the box cover was. Yes. I'm just doing. I'm just going off of whatever your background is right now. Yeah, that, uh, that's <laughs> the poster. Yeah, exactly. So uh, flip it over, but boom, you got your your three little uh, squares, which you which are always there. Uh, the three squares are um, one of them is a shot of Bill and Ted in the future. Uh, another shot is Bill and Ted uh, doing air guitar. And then the last shot is uh, a mishmash of everyone stuck in a phone booth. Um, and the box description says, join two wacky uh, chill dudes as they uh, travel through time to save the future. As they travel to the past to save the future. Um, Bill and Ted are two stoners? No. Who... No, that the, uh... Chris Matheson and Ed Solomon made that very clear that they're not stu- stoners. They're just valley boys. They've never done drugs. They they just love life and everything is just very zen and perfect. That's interesting because when I um, started this, because I, I rented this movie and you know how like it has like TV 17 or whatever, like show up in the, in the top left for whatever there is in it. Drugs was one of them. I don't remember there being drug use though, but um Probably for so the, the Genghis Khan scene. Oh yeah, maybe. Um, so we, Bill and Ted, are two two awesome dudes who need to travel to the past, uh, where they will uh, learn different things about history in order to pass their history exam um, and save the future, where their band has formed the bedrock of an entire advanced civilization. I think yeah, that's, that's good. That's right. Yeah. Sure. I probably go way too long on, on these blockbuster descriptions, but they're fun. People who rented this also rented Alex Winter's Freaked and Speed. Freaked. Oh, my God. That's a movie. I've I never seen it. But I, I've never seen it, but I've watched the Red Letter Media review of it, and it looks messed up. But it, it really cool practical effects. It's it's really good. But it's one of those movies that like makes me sick to my stomach because of how realistic the practical effects are. I can imagine. I've, I've like I said, I've, I've seen some of them. They look gross. Yeah, um, Alex Winter also in Lost is. Boys. Alex Winters is the greatest. I love him. He just did a documentary. He's so the cool thing about him and Keanu is that like Keanu is Keanu. Like he's right. one of the biggest stars in the world. He, he's a bona fide superstar. 
Alex Winter is a bona fide documentarian. That's awesome. He's made so many documentaries. His newest one is on HBO Max or HBO. I just watched it. It's about mm-hmm. showbiz kids. It's about child actors and like how it's not good for their psyche. That makes perfect sense, actually. And, yeah. Um, but this movie was written by Ed Solomon and Chris Matheson, and it almost didn't exist until Chris Matheson's father, Richard Matheson. Hey. Right. He's a, so Richard Matheson, for those who don't know, is a very famous science fiction author. He's re, he wrote uh, several episodes of The Twilight Zone, and he had at a couple least fifty percent. Sh- no, yeah. no, I one hundred percent disagree. Fifty uh, percent, maybe some, maybe fifty percent were inspired by his short stories. But Rod Serling himself wrote sixty percent, so it's physically impossible for Matheson to have written fifty percent. Mic drop. Sorry, I am really into The Twilight Zone. <laughs> you don't say. But no, and, and, I do. Uh, so, so uh, Chris brought the script to his dad because the original script was supposed to be like a Kentucky Fried movie, sketch comedy movie, and one section was like these two like like dopey guys. Don't say stoners, <laughs> they're not stoners. Like, <laughs> um, but these two these two lovable idiots who like go back in time to pass a uh, report and Richard Matheson is like, this is your movie. That's this awesome. is the movie. And they were inspired by Dr. Who. And that's why it's a phone booth. That's okay. So that, that was a question that, that I had. Um, so I was talking, so I watched this with my wife, Tiffany, and we're both big Doctor Who fans. And so they, they get into the phone booth and we both kind of look at each other and go like, is that supposed to be a Doctor Who reference? Yes. Um, well, huh? Maybe you're probably right, but because Tiffany like did some research on it, and she was like, "Oh, so originally it was supposed to be a van," and so this actually plays into what you were talking about earlier with them, like they are not they're not stoners because like they wanted to get away from anything that could be perceived as like stoner culture when they were doing that, so they specifically changed it from a van to a phone booth so that you know i, I couldn't i would be wouldn't be shocked if it was like oh we're gonna make it a phone booth well in, chris in and honor ed were watching who. tom baker's run of doctor who and they're like why don't cool. we just make it a phone booth that's awesome yeah and so that's actually a really fun nod to doctor who and um uh, the way that it's updated in terms of being a a phone booth because i mean technically the doctor who is a police call box so it's not like a, it's not like the traditional red phone booth for yeah. you see it over in England, but it's it's close enough. Right. Also, I love the fact that of, of all of the time travel devices, if I were to pick what I want as much as I would love a DeLorean, I'd mm-hmm. probably pick the phone booth. Um, <laughs> you, you're not wrong, actually. I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, my friend just had like a Facebook poll thing that he did. And like, it was like, if you were going to have a time travel device, what would it be? And it was like DeLorean phone booth. I forget some of the other like famous ones. Um, but I also went with phone booth because the thing with the DeLorean is it like it moves. So I would be so scared about like where you would appear. And if you would like crash into something, um, that's my biggest fear with a DeLorean. Uh, so w- Okay, this is one of my favorite film series of all time. I, as I said before, I'm a member of like three different Bill and Ted groups, um, and the the greatest thing is like most Facebook groups, they're like, you're afraid of trolling and people being like, uh, actually, no, you're wrong, and 
this group is like so kind to each other and like the 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 slogan on one of the groups is be excellent to each other and like that that phrase in this movie is just chef's kiss perfect like i just want to be nice to people and i just want to be excellent to them and i just want to i i think that's what's so whimsical about this movie whimsy is the perfect descriptor for this movie so um before we get into some of the like the nitty gritty on it, Scott, do you want to talk about like your history with the movie? Because like that, I feel like before I can go anywhere forward with it, I need to explain where I'm coming from. from sure. Like yeah. This. So this is my Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Like this. Ooh. This has uh, been a very important factor in my life. So I got into Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure when I was around four years old because it was like always on TV. Mm-hmm. And um, this is going to get a little sad and dark. But okay. around this time, my grandfather died when I was around five. And my nana, so my paternal, my maternal grandfather died. My paternal grandmother, instead of going to the funeral because I was five and they were afraid that it was going to be too sad for me and my sister, mm-hmm. she took us to Papa Gino's and <laughs> to the toy store and... I uh she bought me the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles van because they were out of the back, uh the Bill and Ted phone booth but she got me two Bill and Ted action figures and a Rufus and like it the movie itself just became part of my life like when the second one came out like I watched it at a friend's house and I almost turned it off because the movie have you seen Bogus Journey? I okay so that's going to play into how I've seen this other one I've seen I 100% have seen parts of it, but I have not seen it start to finish. So that one opens up with an evil Bill and Ted robot. And I, like, I almost turned it off. I'm like, they can't be evil. <laughs> like, and, Nope. I, I refuse to believe what I am seeing. And then like they ripped their faces off and they were, uh, they were robots. So I was like, oh, okay. All right. All right I'll sit, good. I'll sit down. I'll get off my soapbox. But then like <laughs> your little five-year-old soapbox. <laughs> I know you're angry. Like, <laughs> um so then like from the, then on like everything i got into back to the future time travel became really important doctor who but it all started with bill and ted and i think it was just the image of um i've always loved keanu reeves that that's always been a given like hard speed was my first r-rated movie that i saw in theaters like Ooh. keanu has in always theaters been... wasn't that like 95 it was 93 Holy shit. How old are you? You would have been like seven. Wait, it was 94. I was eight years old. (laughs) Who's taking you? Who's taking an eight year old? Scott, we need to have a conversation. Have you met my dad? We need to have a conversation with your parents. Who's taking an eight year old to see speed? My dad. Ridiculous. So, so so what my dad would do first (laughs) is he would go to the movie first. And if there was any nudity or any graphic violence, then I couldn't see it. But speed was rated R because of explosions and people mm-hmm. were in buildings. And like there wasn't a ton of swearing. People so, were in buildings. That's a reason for, for a rated R. Oh man. Well, the explosions, <laughs> the the explosions While people were, were in buildings I, and people were in them. Like I, I understand what you're saying. It's so, just like so, out of context, like, that's kind of funny. So he was like, uh, it's not that bad. And my mom's like, okay, but if he has nightmares from it, and my my dad's like, it's speed. He's not gonna have nightmares from speed. 
Imagine yeah, having nightmares from Dennis Hopper. Like, ah, Dad, I woke up. Ah, Dennis Hopper's chasing me, and he keeps calling me Hotshot. Well, I've seen Texas Chainsaw Part 2, and it's very easy to... And I've also seen Super Mario Brothers. It's very easy to have Dennis Hopper nightmares. Scott, I you actually must think been... I had more nightmares of Dennis Hopper as King Koopa than I did of Dennis Hopper in Speed. Oh, he was terrifying. He was terrifying as King Koopa. And that was um, PG. You must have been the most attentive or like... What am I trying to say here? Speed nerd. would have never... No, 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 definitely not nerd. Because speed, like, I would have been so bored as an eight-year-old seeing speed. It would have been like, oh my god, just where's a musical number? Where's a cartoon? Where's where's a funny sound? Like, I I must have been like the most ignorant or um, you know, uh, what's what I'm looking for here? Just like slack-jawed dummy who of an eight-year-old because I would have never been able to pay attention to well, speed. Once again, I was obsessed with Bill and Ted, and I was like, that's Ted. Ted. Oh, okay. Ted is is trying to save a bus. And like I, I was watching it the whole time. I was like, "Oh God, I hope I hope Bill shows up." That okay, that's awesome. Okay, that makes perfect sense. Actually, yeah, I could totally recognize like uh, like, uh, like Jim Carrey or whatever. Right, right. Like, and and this is him. gonna be like the nerdiest thing because I literally thought this. I was like, "How can Sandra Bullock be in her twenties and not have a driver's license?" And then she starts driving. And I'm like, "Oh, I get it. She's a bad driver. That makes perfect sense." Can I have more popcorn? <laughs> Thank you. Man, I was watching like Casper at that time. Oh, I was too. But like my my dad realized how much I loved TV and films. And as I've said on the podcast before, I had like really bad asthma and like mm-hmm. I got sick a lot. So I was inside a lot and I would read like graphic novels because like after a while, books just became boring because my mind was always thinking so then my dad got me into classic movies and at a young age i was watching like black and white movies and and like i think the first movie i ever saw was harvey with jimmy oh wow cool so like like the first three movies i saw before i could see teenage mutant ninja turtles in theaters was harvey duck soup with the marx brothers and back to the future um so like it it just made sense and then it uh, is so easy to trace your trajectory from like kid film buff to like adult film buff. It, it's really cool that like you know you, you can easily connect these dots. I really like that. Yeah, I I don't know. Like this this movie also, this is the movie I found out that you could own movies. Whoa! Because I would rent it so much from Blockbuster, and the guys like you rented so much. Why don't you just buy it? I'm like you can buy movies? And my dad's like, you fucking idiot. Why would you tell him that? <laughs> the, the glass has been shattered. Why? So so then I'm like, can I buy it? And my dad's like, how much is it? And remember, this was 1991. He's like, oh, a VHS? That will be $50, please. And my dad's like, Doesn't shock me. fuck no. Which is funny because, you know, like, if, if he was... Playing it smart, I don't know how much it cost. What, it was like two bucks to rent a movie back then, maybe yeah, a back dollar. Back then, it was like a buck fifty. Yeah, so um, I mean, you would have had to have rented it a lot in order for that to make um, sense. Oh, I did. But you probably would have watched it a lot. Oh so. yeah. Anyways, Bill and Ted. So you watched it a lot growing up. Yes. Also, uh, Bernie Casey is in this movie. He plays the history teacher. Bernie Casey was a huge actor in black exploitation films and 70s cinema. So that's also how I knew him. And I this movie just had everything I loved. George Carlin, who that was originally supposed to be Sean Connery. 
Really? I did not know that. That's yeah, cool. imagine Sean Connery being like, greetings, my excellent friends. Oh, you have a woman talking back to you. Just give her a little slap. Jesus Christ, Sean Connery. <laughs> whoa, whoa. Have you ever heard that that interview? Yeah, I, I, I have. I have where he's like, <laughs> I have, he, where he's talking about how like if someone if a woman will give you lip like just a little bit of a slap will will calm her down or something like that. That's messed up, man. Yeah, but he's was, like, just make sure you don't use your ring finger. Jesus. Yeah, that's insane. Um, best Bond ever, though. Apparently, uh. <laughs> I I always liked I liked Craig Pierce Brosnan and Roger Moore. Like, I am not a big enough Bond aficionado to be able to say who I like. I'm gonna go with Bro- uh, Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> You're like, I'm gonna go with of- George Lazenby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go with the one uh, that was in the most video games I played, which was Pierce Brosnan for Goldeneye. 007. Yeah, wasn't da-da, da-da. didn't they also do uh, uh they did a World is Not Enough one. I remember playing yep. that one. But what mm-hmm. was the the one that came directly to like disc like 007 Nightfall or something like that? Uh yeah, Nightfall was one. Yeah, yeah. there was a, there was Nightfall. They've they've had a bunch since then. They've remade Goldeneye uh with Daniel Craig taking over as uh Pierce Brosnan. That was That's blasphemy. <laughs> it was. Oh, it was terrible. Uh anyways, um Bill this NES game, the Bill and Ted NES game, is amazing. Is it? I don't own it. Oh my god! I'm it's gonna put really that on my good. list right now. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm going to get that. That I have, you know, two or three NES games. I don't own that one. I have more than two or three, Scott. Yeah, I know. I know how much you have. I've been to your house. I, I know where you live. I've seen where there. you sleep. That's creepy. And yes, you have actually. <laughs> um, so my experience with Bill and Ted is vastly different than yours. Um, I three days ago, <laughs> yeah, three days ago was the first time I really watched this movie start to finish. Um, like you, I did catch it occasionally growing up, but I never watched the full thing or watched it start to finish. I would catch like scenes here or there. Um, so I think that I have a lot of like jumbled memories between like this one and the second one. Like I'm not sure what goes to what. Now I do. But so my real first experience with seeing this movie has been just three days ago when I rented it. Um, And I know a lot of the cultural touchstones. Like I know be excellent to each other and party on. I know about the phone booth. I know about Rufus. I know about air guitar. And like some of the other like famous quotes like – one of my favorite bands is actually the Ataris, and they have a, a song called uh, San Dimas High School Football Rules, and it's like, I get that. Um, so there's things like that that like I understand the references to, but I've just never sat down and like watched the movie. And so when I was going to, to get this, I was looking on Amazon, and it's like 20 bucks still, which I'm like, wow, this movie's either really popular or just there's not a lot of runs of them. I know there's the new one coming out soon, so it's possible that like all the re-releases are being cu- being bought up. So the, it's just it just got re-released and remastered. Okay, so that's probably why it's like still 20 bucks like for a, a Blu-ray of it. So it's like still re- new prices. And I was looking at them, and I was like, okay. I don't know if I'm going to love this movie. I don't know if I'm going to really like it. So I'm I'm not going to spend $20 for a one-off podcast. I'm sorry. Uh, it's, fine. it's not that important to me. Or it wasn't that important to me. And so I went to, to rent it. I rented it for like 4 bucks, And I was like, I'm, I'm not, not going to really want. I think I'm regretting not buying it now. Because, spoiler alert, this movie was so much fun. 
it was it was a blast. Like I did not know what to expect, really, like really, because like it's been years and years since I've even seen a clip of it. But it was so cute and so great. And Keanu Reeves is like ageless. Him and Alex Winter. Yeah, they look identical. Like they like obviously they look thirty years older, but they don't look a day over you know fifty two. Yeah. Now I mean, like they don't even look that middle aged. They they still look no. like they could be in their like late thirties, early forties. Absolutely, and and they both were phenomenal. Like it was. So my my biggest apprehension was like, oh, I'm I'm not gonna like. I think that they're gonna be annoying, and you know maybe like there's gonna be a lot of like weird '80s references that I don't get. Bill and Ted themselves are the most charming and like lovable two protagonists. Like they're dumb as rocks. They um are just like going with the flow, and like usually I was expecting like um. Uh, Ashton Kutcher and Sean William Scott from like Dude Where's My Car yeah. or even like Spinelli from is that his name Spinelli from Spinelli is from Recess oh yeah Spinelli is the girl from Recess Spicoli the, Spicoli there we go Jeff I'm Spicoli. getting all my references yeah but like Spicoli's like a Spinelli dick. Like, is also the voice of Bobby Hill hey oh, Rufus really? hey Rufus let's go back in time well I would be delighted to get into your phone booth oh my god I had no idea that's awesome Bill Walden um, sorry uh, but like, cause like Spicoli is like, he's like a stoner, but he's like a dick. Um, and like, I was kind of expecting some, some level of like that, but no, they're like just so sweet and so genuine. And, um, they have such a they positive do, outlook on life too. Exactly. And everything they do is so earnest and like 100%. And there's only like one moment in this movie that I think does not hold up. The rest of it is, I know which perfect. one you're talking about too. It, it's obviously it's when, when they, they hug each the F, other and then hug they... each other and they say the f word and the f word's not fuck and it's like that's the only issue that i have with this other than that it's just a fun romp from start to finish and it's really good yeah so bill and ted were based on chris and ed chris matheson and ed solomon from a character that they did in a sketch comedy class but also if you look at the characters of Bill and Ted in the real life, Ed Solomon and Chris Matheson, they kind of, Ed Solomon has curly hair. Bill has curly hair. Ed, Ed, uh, Chris is like six feet tall. Keanu Reeves is six feet tall with like wavy hair. Like Mm -hmm. it's kind of amazing how they shadow each other, but also they kind of shadow the consultants. There were consultants on Bill and Ted to teach them how to be that laid back and relaxed. And the consultants were Corey Haim and Corey Feldman. No way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Alex Winter worked with both of them on Lost Boys. And they're like, we need someone who has, who gets this vernacular. And Alex Winter's like, uh, Corey Haim and Corey Feldman. I just worked with them and they kind of had this mindset. So imagine like for a week, just hanging out with like Corey Feldman and Corey Haim and then be like, Hey, What's going on, guys? That's a. I can't think of better teachers from the late '80s for laid-backness than uh, two unfortunately exploited uh, child actors. It makes sense now that Alex Winter is going into. Or he did that documentary, like you were saying about child actors. So, uh, rip. Yeah, rip, <laughs> rip Corey Haim. Yeah, but that that makes a lot of sense because. Uh, 
I could see that based on like their performances in Lost Boys. And you know who Corey, uh, not Corey, uh, you know who Keanu Reeves' best friend was at this time, right? Uh, no, I, I am very um, Keanu ignorant. I, I don't know much about him. Actually, that's not true. I know a lot about him. But like, I don't, don't pay that much attention to him like pre-Matrix, really. Yeah, his, his best friend around this time was River Phoenix. Oh, okay, so Keanu Reeves, I know that we... It's probably common knowledge, but just for in case he has one of like the most tragic backstories, and he has out the most any positive actor. outlook on life too. And yeah, exactly. He is like like one of like the most genuinely sweet and nice people. Uh, from what I understand, I've never actually met him, but like he just seems like someone who is super like you know chill, and he donates like most of his money to charities. Like he's uh, just like a wonderful, genuine human being. And like if you read any cursory stuff about what he's gone through, it it fucking sucks. And he, so River Phoenix, oof, oof. River Ouch. Phoenix was his best friend, and as we all know, he died outside of the Viper Club in 1993. Yep. And the people who were with him when he died. Where I think Keanu was one of them, but I know Joaquin was there. He was the one who yep. made the nine one one call because it's in Alex Winter's documentary. Mm-hmm. And Johnny Depp, he died well, in Johnny Depp's arms. Well, Johnny Depp owns owned or owns the Viper Club. At least he did at that point. Yeah, but um, like so yeah. when you're a celebrity and you own something, it doesn't mean you're always there. Yeah, but he was playing there that night. Or oh, something. was he? Like, yeah, I I think that they were both playing that night. Uh, but but it's so tragic. And then on top of that, Keanu lost a child and his fiance died. Like it's uh, like a car accident or something. Yeah, or it was a bad was, car accident. Ter- but terrible. He just has the most positive outlook on life. And anytime someone brings up Bill and Ted, like you think he's going to be like one of those actors who's like, don't fucking talk to me about that. There's an interview. I was trying to find it to send to you before we did this. But someone asked him like five years ago before they even were going to do Bill and Ted 3 if he would be interested. And out of nowhere, he just takes his hand, puts it on his heart, and he goes, you know, ladies and gentlemen, we're... and he goes right into Ted. That's awesome. And I, I know that Alex Winter had been trying to get 3 made for a while, and it's like one of those things where you almost feel like Keanu had like ascended beyond doing these stupid little... I'm just going to... I know they're not stoner comedies, but they're... I was going to call it like stupid little like silly, dumb yeah. character comedies. Um and like, cause I mean, he's like, he's fucking John Wick. He's Neo from the Matrix. Like, this is a man who has done like, a, like he has one hundred percent risen above the level of low budget uh, comedy. And he's like so willing to like come back and be like, yes, I will do this. I will come hang out with my friend and have fun with him. Like, that's so awesome. Yeah. Oh he, my god, this guy's the man. Not just that. When he found out that there was a movie called Keanu, the Key and Peele movie, and it was about a cat. Mm-hmm. There's a scene where where uh, Key and Michael Key gets drugged, and the cat starts talking to him. And that wasn't originally in the script. And when he found out that a movie was called Keanu because of him, he's like, "Can I be in it somehow?" So they wrote a scene where he plays a talking cat named Keanu. That's so great. Yeah, he's he's gonna be in the new Cyberpunk game. I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, Keanu is. Uh... Fantastic. And we are definitely a part of the Keanu Sance right now. Oh, yeah. It's been going for a while. Like and I hope it never stops. I hope we get I I hope we get Winter is coming too. I hope Alex Winter gets a gets a resurgence. <laughs> Ooh, that's a 
That's nice. Well, Alex Winter, um, so outside of doing the uh, documentaries, did he was he really that active, um, like in acting or anything? Like directing. That? I, I, he, oh, he, okay. He's directed, so all of the Ben 10 live action Cartoon Network movies, he's directed all of those. I didn't know there was any of those. I've heard of Ben 10. And all the research I did. Like, he's directed <laughs> a lot of movies for, for Cartoon Network's original movies. He directed... Cool. Um, a lot of MTV stuff, a lot of music videos. Nice. Like, like he's had a career. Like, everyone from this oh, yeah. movie is not hurting. I also know that he's um, very into, like, personal security and, um, like, personal information privacy. Yes. Uh, a while ago, I was listening to, uh, I, Christ, I haven't listened to The Nerdist in forever, but he was doing an interview with For uh, his Hardwick. documentary. It was probably for that. I don't remember what it was. This yeah. was like literally like five years ago. Yeah, he did a uh, documentary about the dark web. Okay, there we go. Yeah, and he was just talking about like um, like cybersecurity and how important it is to have like a VPN and secure your information. Stuff that I still don't do, but um, it's a very like cool uh, crusade to be on. So um, uh, he seems like a really chill dude as well. He is awesome. I. If you look at all of the comic cons that he goes to, like all these guys will propose to their girlfriends dressed as Bill and Ted, and like every time they do it, like the look of shock on his face is not fake. Like, ooh, it's like he's like, oh, I didn't Aww. see that coming. Every single time, even though it's happened like twenty times at this point. Yeah. So that's cool though. That's awesome. So yeah, um, getting into the movie itself. Yeah. Um. So the the council of the most, the three most important people in the future are all musicians, which I thought was always cool. Mm-hmm. So Clarence Clemens from Bruce Springsteen and the East Street Band is the president of the universe. <laughs> the guy in the middle. <laughs> which, uh, oh, is that what? See, so that's not clear to me. Like how I did not know that he was the president of the universe. I just thought he was like the head of some council or yeah. something. Yeah, he. That's they're the three that's most important cool. people in the world. Um. And then Martha Davis from the motels. She did that song, Only the Lonely, which I'll probably insert that clip right here. Only the Lonely. I know that song. The one you're doing is the Roy Orbison one. Oh, well, shit. I've only heard of Only the Lonely, so I don't know. All right, fair enough. (laughs) Insert clip here. But not the right one, not the (laughs) wrong one that Dwight just said. What if I did both back to back? It's like I told you. Just like smash them up over to Yeah, each like other. a remix. Remix. And then the weirdest one is Faye We uh Faye Waybill from the tubes. He's the one who did uh You can look inside another world. You get to talk to a pretty girl. She's a red like a dream of I think I know that. Yeah, it, it, he was a one-hit wonder. Oh, um, too bad. I think hey, he, he made it into Bill and Ted. <laughs> yeah. 
so that makes so, a lot of sense. There's a lot of people in the UK that like have multiple hits over there, but only one in America. The Darkness. Oh yeah, they yeah. are big over there. They're they? huge over there, and they had one hit song over here, which we Do talked about exist? in the season finale. Was, I wasn't in. The, was I in the season? No, finale? no, no. Okay, you were right before say. the season finale. Uh, Mag- Maggie and oh. Ashley from uh, Rock Candy. We did the music videos. Oh, cool. Yeah, Ashley picked the darkness. I believe in a thing called love. Nice. Well, yeah. Yeah, I remember that came out. I was in seventh grade, eighth grade. I was young. We were juniors sure. in high school when that came out. Two thousand three. Okay, I have no fucking clue. But I'm thinking of a different song. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. So, so yeah. Um, but the movie, like, just. I don't want to get crass here. I love this movie, but the opening shot, it kind of where the tube is coming out. <laughs> you know what I'm about to say? I assume. <laughs> it looks like a butthole. Yeah, it definitely, uh, and, definitely does. And then a brownish copper tube comes out. Kind of looks like a poop. Uh, it almost looked like a... Like a big butt plug kind of coming out. Or I can see a poop as well. Yeah. It, which I'm sure was on purpose because they never, like, it's it's implied that this is the key to time travel, but they never really go into it. So, right. yep. <laughs> but the, the cool thing is that it's just this oblong shape and then it can turn into whatever it has to. So it turns into a phone booth, which I always thought was cool. Oh. That's very similar to the TARDIS. Yeah. Or to a, to a TARDIS in general. Um, so looking it up, the reason why Sean Connery didn't want to do Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, it's not that he didn't like the script. It was he just did Time Bandits and he didn't want to get typecasted as the guy who does time travel movies. James Bond didn't want to get typecast. Okay. Okay. <laughs> sure. So, yeah. You know what? Let's go do League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Just kidding. Well, you know why you did that, right? Because uh, he turned down fuck. What did he turn down? Was it Lord of the Rings? Or he, he turned, turned down, down something. Four movies. He turned down The Matrix because he didn't oh, understand wow. the script. He turned down playing Morpheus in The Matrix because mm-hmm. he didn't understand it. He turned down Lord of the Rings playing Gandalf and Saruman, and he turned down Pirates of the Caribbean to play Barbosa. Oh wow! Oh good. I, Jeffrey Rush is amazing. And. Uh, what is the last one that he turned down? This is like a... Oh, he turned down playing Qui-Gon Jinn. Oh, shit. Okay. And so he... I know that he he wanted to like have his Star Wars or Lord of the Rings moment, and it blew up epically in his face. Yeah, so and he's that, like, And then he stopped acting. <laughs> well, part of the reason he also start, stopped acting is he started to lose his memory, and he couldn't remember lines. That's very sad. And he, and he said, I don't want to get into the Marlon Brando territory where I need to have a air piece in my ear so that, so yeah. the matrix offered him twice a role first morpheus and then the architect and oh my god so he turned it down after the matrix was already a hit yeah architects only in the second one right right second and third what a big dummy but imagine sean connery as rufus i mean i can't imagine anyone other than george carlin 
So that actually was interesting to me because my um, perception of Carlin is like his last like 10 years. Um, I, I watched a lot of his Comedy Central stand-up specials from like towards the end of his life. And so to me, he is uh, a lot thinner, a lot more gaunt, and he has very, very gray hair. So seeing him in this role was very strange which just with how reserved he was. And also he didn't do a lot. Um, he, he really just kind of shows up shows them how the thing works and then he like pieces out yeah because it's the, the hero's journey the movie. true yeah he yeah he is the uh he's the, not the gandalf role but he's the the person who makes them cross he's the wise wizard he crossed they crossed the threshold with him right and like also george carlin just seems out of left field he has the white hair in bogus journey like because originally excellent adventure was filmed in 1986 and didn't oh, come out that. or eighty seven and didn't come out. It came till, out eighty nine, right? Yeah, because uh, MGM didn't have a lot of faith in the movie, and Back to the Future just came out, and they're like, "This is not going to do Back to the Future money." So, um, oh my God, what's his name? Nelson, uh, the guy who created Orion Pictures back when it was the the Nelson Group, basically was like, "I'll buy it for a million dollars," and they're like, "Okay." Because that that was like the cost, that was the expense cost, and he they're like, okay, good luck, you're gonna lose a million dollars, and he made forty one million dollars off of this movie. Yeah, I saw, I, I saw, I only had like a six point five million budget, so I wonder if like some of that was included in the in the purchase sale or whatever. Um, that's too crazy to me. And uh, and it also came out in December, like they like dumped this movie. Like a December is not, or in the eighty nine was not a big time i i i think maybe i'm wrong um, uh, i would assume december is like almost like a january where things go to die this is not an oscar movie right like, like january or december is usually oscar time yeah it's oscar time and also christmas time so like normally the movies that come out are like christmas movies which this is definitely not no they don't no. even go to see jesus <laughs> imagine if they did that would have been ridiculous how's even it going the jesus future, the christ Excellent. Mary, you did it. <laughs> hey, Ted, I'm delivering a baby. Excellent. <laughs> and then they just like accidentally throw him. <laughs> it's your mom, dude. That was also a really weird little subplot that With I was Missy? not expecting. Yeah, that was, um, I guess it was just a joke because it didn't really pay off in any way. It, like, there was no, um, I don't know what was the point of that. It was just funny. Like, well, the whole point of it was that like the girl who was a senior when they were freshmen that he had a crush on graduated and married his dad. So yeah, that's the that that's what happened. But what was the point? The, <laughs> just to be funny, I think. I yeah, that and also so that you could have that great joke of when Sigmund Freud is analyzing Ted and he's like, "Would you like to go on the couch?" And he's like, "No, I have a minor Oedipal complex." That was hysterical. Uh, Sigmund Freud had my favorite joke in this movie. Would you like to um, call me Sigmund? When they're in the... No, maybe. I don't remember exactly when, but it's when they're in the, the mall and he's holding the corn dog. And I forget who he's talking. He's talking to those girls and like... And he just like points the corn dog at them, but it's just the what he, I forget what he's saying, but it's the way he does it and the the words that he's saying. Yeah. It's just it's so like it's a dick joke, but it's not like in your face a dick joke, and you just have to be paying attention to it. Yes, yeah, it was hysterical. It's, you seem to be suffering from mild hysteria. 
That's what it was. That's what it was. Thank you. I and, could and quote this movie a, all day. <laughs> and that's that's fucking funny because like back in the day, uh, a, a cure for hysteria for women was to give them an orgasm. And so the fact that he's holding a corn dog, talking about hysteria, and then pointing the corn dog at them, like it's all subtext. So funny. I wonder I if that, that scene was originally supposed to end with him biting the corn dog. <laughs> oh, that would have been even like that would have been a perfect little capper. Maybe a little too graphic, but oh, that would have been. Or just like giving it to them and then biting it. Whoa. But, let's see if you can figure out who my favorite historical figure is in this. Yours? Yeah. Um so okay, so so plot of the movie for those who do not know, um, Bill and Ted are uh failing their history class and if they completely fail it then ted is going to be sent away to military school alaskan military school Uh, yes and okay so this is the problem i have with this i love this movie but my biggest problem is they are seniors in high school this Mm -hmm. is the end of the year oh yeah and they're gonna be sent he's gonna be sent to military school the next day like like he's already graduated. I also have I have a minor problem with with Ted's dad. Like a lot of people do, he's kind of a dick. He's a dick. But it it's it's when they're presenting their their thing and he's fighting with Bill's dad and he goes, "What are they doing up there? They're fucking assignment. They're doing yeah, their like you know the thing that you said that if they do not pass then he's going to military school." Yeah. Only the setup of the movie, buddy. Um, so, anyways, like, like I said, they're if if they fail this history exam, then Ted's going to be sent away. And so, the people in the future who have based their entire culture around the Wild Stallions, which is Bill and Ted's band and their music, um, they need to prevent this from happening. So, they send Rufus back to the past with a time machine to allow to help Bill and Ted pass their history exam. So, Bill and Ted travel to the past and pick up various historical figures to help them pass their exam. And uh, so you were asking me which one's your favorite. So I don't think it's Billy the Kid. It's Billy the I Kid. Do... Oh, it's Billy the Kid. Okay. I was going to say, I don't think, I, I thought it was going to be like Genghis Khan. Oh, uh, God. I, I was... hate Genghis Khan. <laughs> like, I, I feel like Genghis Khan doesn't do, I, I love, Al Young plays the character. I love him. He's the bad guy. He was in Die Hard. He was a bad guy in Die Hard. Um, mm-hmm. But the character oh, of was, Genghis um, Khan. Like, Snape? What? He was Alan Rickman? No. You he, should die hard, right? Yeah, he's one. Of, he's one of his crew. I'm just kidding. But uh, like, if they were actually going to go to Genghis Khan, that scene when they pick him up should have been a lot more graphic. A lot more graphic, a lot more nudity, and a lot more like they would. Genghis Khan would have just killed them. Like it's a it's a jokey movie, so obviously that's right. not going to happen. But but Billy the Kid is awesome. I love how he like becomes like best friends with them, and like he like loves them that that's why because because like he's like so at ease with time travel like when they're like uh we're in medieval uh england and he goes excellent and they're like wow billy the kid you're dealing with time travel with the greatest of ease like that was wicked funny and I, um <clears throat> i love him and socrates uh socrates, socrates. first off it's socrates, socrates. Uh, yes, but- <laughs> Uh, I love that, like, so Bill and Ted have this uh, effect where no matter who they run into, like, they can make them like them. And that's, like, very, um, there's this this anime called Naruto where, like, the main character gets everyone to be their best friend. But it's a very Dragon Ball Z thing as well. Same with um, Aang in uh, Last Airbender. Yeah, that's a perfect example. Aang as well. Uh, So, like, I love that, like, it's just, like, their attitude, their outlook on life um, takes these, like, 
hardened people from uh, history and like makes them their best friend. Um, it's adorable and so much fun. You know what I also noticed? All of the people, maybe with the exception of Sigmund Freud that they pick up, are horribly murdered in history. Okay, so what do we got? We got um, Billy the Kid. Obviously, he probably, I don't know much about him. Billy the Kid was, was shot in the back. Oh, was that by like the person who like wanted to say that they killed Billy the Kid? So that was be, like, Jesse the best, James. Or... No, there we go. Okay, no, I'm, Billy I'm the Kid, the coward be- who shot Jesse James. Billy the Kid befriended a child, and and was teaching him how to be a cowboy. Not a child; he was like a 15 year old kid. But the father mm-hmm. basically was like, "You stay away from my boy," and like killed Billy the Kid. Like, um, that sounds like a like a Mark Twain wrote it. Yeah, pretty much. And he he was like shot like seven times by this guy. It's like a six shooter holds brutal. six bullets, so the guy had to fill the guy. They're like, <laughs> they're like Jesus, <laughs> Pat, calm down. He's dead. No, one more. <laughs> Got to make sure. Double tap. So Socrates um, was persecuted for, as they yep. said in the movie, corrupting the young because he could think and like you know that's mm-hmm. how governments are overthrown. So they killed him. Joan mm-hmm. of Arc was burned at the stake. Yep. Genghis Khan was horribly murdered. Abraham Lincoln was assassinated. What if they uh, said that in their report and they're like, and then Joan of Arc was burned at the stake? Excuse me, what? Part of me was wondering if they were, because when Lincoln comes up in the report, I thought they were going to be like, and that dude who got killed at the play, because they referenced the play several times in the movie. Like, there's a couple of shots that like look like Abraham Lincoln's like at a play. Um, so I was fully expecting like someone to like tell some of these historical figures like what happens to them, which well, would have been. What very if they're weird. that sweetly dimwitted that they're like, okay, we dropped you back off, Abe. Have fun at the play. <laughs> yeah, that would have been a, a dark, dark ending because like they don't uh, they don't um, address anything like that that happens uh, in the future. <laughs> Simpers, Sampras, excellent. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah. Um and so, uh well, Na- Napoleon died? was Beethoven hor- died. Napoleon was exiled. Napoleon was, yeah, but Beethoven Beethoven had like he like he died of like an illness, didn't he? Like like Mozart, he also died of syphilis. Oh, well, I mean if you're going to be in like the 1800s, you might as well die of syphilis. Also, oh. he went deaf, so he couldn't hear the music that he loved so much. Yeah, I, I I think that that had already happened in the in the movie by that point because like there's when they go to pick him up he like doesn't react to them coming over at all. I assumed that they were he was already deaf because he never says anything or he says very little. <laughs> well, Joan of Arc also says very little. Joan of Arc is played by Jane Weedlin from the Go Go's. Oh, is that who that is? Joan of Arc was adorable. Yeah, I was like, oh, that girl's cute. She almost looked like Winona Ryder a couple of times. She did. She was so. Are you a fan of the movie Clue? Motherfucker. Yeah. She's the singing Clue telegram girl. Oh, is she the... Oh, I am your singing telegram. Yeah, that's... Okay, that's great, too. I didn't know that. Yep. I mean, she's in, like, literally 15 seconds of that movie. Uh, okay. But it's a very memorable moment. Can I tell you something really sad that has happened because of COVID that has to do with Bill and Ted? The mall, the no. San Dimas Mall... Oh, is it closed? They had to shut it down. It's in Phoenix, Arizona. They shut it down. But right before they did, they put up like a bunch of Bill and Ted stuff and they had tours, masked tours. But now it's shut down. That's really sad. Um, 
I'm impressed that it stayed around for that long because I know that malls are a dying thing in general. I think that the mall that um, I might be speaking out of turn, but I'm pretty sure the mall that they shot uh, Return or uh, Jesus Christ, Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, that they shot Dawn of the Dead closed as well. Yeah, that's gone too. And I think the mall they shot Mall Rats in is gone as well. It's uh, malls don't don't last these days. <laughs> or at least so not those like super big '80s ones. And that that's what's really sad when we were watching the movie, uh, Haley and I, because I watched this movie. I watch this movie at least once or twice a week. Like it's my stress movie. It's when I'm stressed, I put it on. This and the Sting always relax me. Like wow, it's my feel good movie. Um, but we were watching it, and they're like, "Yeah, you can go to Sears or J.C. Penney." And Haley's like, "Oh, those places are <laughs> bankrupt now." Yeah, those, yeah, they, they they exist but barely. Like it, that is a weird snapshot. Um, there's a couple other like really specific things that I think that some modern audiences will not get at all. Namely, the fucking phone book. Yeah, I was just about to say um, that. <laughs> and the phone book that they use to like go through travel through time, like that makes like those just don't exist anymore. At least not the way they did in, in this movie. It's so heartbreaking. That's why I want really I want to find an old phone booth and restore it. Like you did with your with the with the video game cabinet. My my arcade cabinet. With your yeah. arcade cabinet. I want to find an old uh phone booth and I want to restore it and make it look like the the time machine. Where would you put it, Scott? In your basement? Yeah. Okay, cool. That's awesome. Cuz cuz you should do that. I want to have a movie theater in my basement eventually. Like Oh my god, that'd be amazing. Yep. That'd be a great uh, little prop, and then you could like put other things inside of it, and like. There's a guy who does replicas of the phone book of the phone book, with like the dates and like the places to go to. That's great. Like he was he was the prop guy on the movie, and he now just builds that for fans. Hey, that's want it so bad. That sounds awesome. So yeah, you should pick one up. Um, but the crazy thing about uh, Bill and Ted. So in this one, Missy is married to Bill's dad. In the sequel, mm-hmm. she's married to Bill's uh, to Ted's dad. Oh really? Oh, that's funny. Yeah, that's. And I wonder who she's gonna be married to in the next one. I already know, but it's a spoiler. Okay. Um. Yeah. Don't tell me. No, I mean it's pretty obvious if you think about it. Like George Carlin. Well, George Carlin's dead. But <laughs> I know, I know. So I assume death is the only other person left. But anyways, uh, maybe. No, it, it's someone in this one. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, the must be the teacher? No. Uh, so anyways, Napoleon shows up. Um, yes. And Ted's little brother, Deacon. Oh, okay. There we go. Thank <laughs> you. Gotcha. There we oh, go. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Um, a lot of people have already knew this. Like... And Ted's little brother marries Missy, so. Um, if, uh, I haven't seen the movie so, yet. I'll, I'll say that right now. I haven't seen the movie yet, so. But it's the best movie ever. God, I'm just. I've never I feel seen it, so I'm bad saying. for my wife. If I watch the first two a ton, I wonder how many times I'm gonna watch the new one when it comes out. And by time this podcast comes out, it will already have been out. Oh! Oh, really? Oh, yeah, because it comes out the fourth, right? Comes out so. August twenty eighth, and this episode is August coming 25th. out. First week of September. Neato. Not like we're recording it in advance. No, no. You you already said that it is still September. You already said that it is September and COVID is still happening. (laughs) And I'm very impressed that you know that because I am not in September yet. Scott is coming to me from the future. 
everybody. Hey, amigos. That's another thing that, <laughs> so, that George Carlin does that I love. And um, that's what in the book version and in the movie of uh, Ready Player One, the reason why oh, okay. they call each other amigos is because of Bill and Ted. Oh, I did not know that. That's very cool. For a second there, I thought you were going to say in the book version of Bill and Ted, meaning the novelization based on the movie. I didn't have this one, but I had, well, Jaws doesn't count because Jaws was a novel before, but I had the Buffy the Vampire Slayer novelization. I had that one too. And that was, that was weird. I had Little uh, Big Lead, uh, Little Big League, Surf Ninjas, and uh, I. there was another one. I can't, I think it was Man of the House. I had Gremlins too. Now that I'm remembering it, oh my god! Oh, you just unlocked something in my mind. But that's too funny. I had this one, and there, there were like, there was a subplot that I couldn't remember. That's not in the movie. But Makes sense. so speaking of the plot of the movie, um, there really isn't one. Uh, that kind of caught me off guard. So in um, in screenwriting, uh, there's this term called fun and games which is uh, you have your first act, which is your setup. Uh, so it's the setup of your premise. And then usually act one ends and then you go into act two. And some part of act two is called fun and games, which is your characters just going around and executing on the premise that was set up in act one. So like, you know, in Avengers, it's the Avengers coming together and, and, and being on the, the, the ship and, and fighting and stuff like that. Um, that's just something off the top of my head. Uh, Star Wars, you know, it's uh, them going to the Death Star. Fun and games. It's it, executing on the premise. This movie is like, act one sets up the, the the time travel, and then they just time travel for the rest of the movie. Like, this entire movie is fun and games. That That's and, why this is in Not Your Average Saturday Morning, because this feels like a Saturday morning cartoon. It absolutely does. Like, every individual scene, like, is just, like, getting a new person, and it's a joke. And they could be rearranged in any order. Like, they're, they're not, they don't logically lead to the next one. They're all inconsequential of each other outside of, like, the first couple. Because um, they're only supposed to get three people. They're only supposed to talk about three people. Everyone else is for extra credit. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I guess that that part didn't super stick with me. Um the the opening uh, act of this movie though is very tightly written. It's like it's it does a really great job of setting up like the conflict, uh, all of the main like antagonistic characters, and then the whole like Rufus arriving and them going out on the adventure. It's a lot of fun, and it's like it felt really really tight. And the craziest thing is. There isn't really an antagonist except for the dad. Like, Mr. Ryan, the teacher, wants them to do well. Bill, Ted, this is really quite simple. You have flunked every section of this class. Now, unless you get an A-plus on your final oral report tomorrow, guys, I have no choice but to flunk the both of you. Now, you know your topics. So I would suggest that you at least cover those areas. If you want to pass the course. Understand? Yes, sir. Okay. Mm -hmm. But like Yeah, which which I loved. I loved that. Cause like that that was so not typical of a movie of this time, I felt. Because usually you get that teacher who's like, Bill and Ted, you have ruined everything and you're the worst and you slackers are never... They're like Strickland. Like, you're never going to amount to anything. You're a slacker. We hate you. But this guy was like genuinely in their corner. You know your topics. Like, like... Exactly. He like he had confidence in them. He trusted them. And he was like, you guys, you, you haven't done anything. I want to pass you, but I can't. And you have to do this. Like, it was 
so refreshing and awesome to have like a teacher not be the antagonistic force and have them be a positive influence. I loved that. But the thing that actually pisses me off about Mr. Ryan, this is a nitpick, but throughout the the actual final act, the third act with the presentations. Mm -hmm. So he's looking at the clock and looking at Bill and Ted's names. He fails them. They're supposed to present at 245. He fails them at like 2.30. They have 15 minutes to get there. I just thought that was preemptive because he clearly didn't fail them because they pass at the end and they're together and it was an amazing thing. I think that that was just for dramatic effect, yeah, I know. Scott. But but you still, I can see that feeling like that's like him being kind of a dickish. Well, he had like a weird relationship with Missy as well. So that's kind of an issue that I have with him. Okay, but yeah. Who keep... knows what that means? Yeah. Like, and so, like, that's my only real, like, weirdness. And it, there's some jokes from this era in general, like, not this movie in particular, but, like, there's a lot of weird racy jokes. Uh, I watched Airplane recently. Yep. And there's, like, uh, tell me, son, have you ever sat on a man's lap? And, like, that's, like, hey, those were... Tell, tell me, Joey, have you ever seen a grown man naked? There we go. Like, it's weird that that type of humor was was acceptable and considered funny back then. And, like... People would be crucified nowadays for that. No. And it's just not, it's plain, it's plain out not funny. Like in like, 80s movies, so one of the actresses in this movie is Diane Franklin. She was, she played one of the princesses. She was the one who actually did a British accent. Did you notice that with the, oh, with the princesses? Uh, Diane Franklin is like, Rufus took us to the mall. And then the other one's like, and gave us credit cards. <laughs> like, the the redhead was the one who gave us credit cards, right? Yeah, she, she br- br- brunette's superior in this. That's Diane opinion. Franklin who played Monique in Better Off Dead, but she was also they call her what do they call her now? The original Karen because she was in this movie called The Last American Virgin, and this is going off what you talked about about like eighties movies not aging well. So her mm-hmm. character in that movie is named Karen, Last American Virgin. She is in a love triangle with two guys. There's the nice guy who's very sweet, and then like the douchebag who is that guy's best friend. She sleeps with the douchebag, gets pregnant. The nice guy takes her to Planned Parenthood, and and then she's like, "I should be with you." And then the movie ends with her making out with the bad guy, going, "Now what? I changed my mind. You can go fuck yourself." And like, spoiler alert for the Last American Virgin, which was Canon Films' original movie, but. It it's like fair enough. She she's even talked uh, about. Not, she's like they're like, can we talk about the Last American Virgin in in, in comics uh, Comic Con? She's like, can we talk about Bill and Ted? Like, <laughs> can we talk about Better Off Dead? Can we not? Like, funny. But in Bill and Ted, when Diane Franklin is like, it's boys. Like her British accent, like in every scene, and she's like, a father wants us to be married, and then having Joanna, the other one, be like. Yes, father is to have us marry. Like, to have, like, the British accent and then, like, this clearly Californian accent kind of takes you out. It's very um, Robin Hood men in tights almost. Like, just not a perfect accent. <laughs> but it's fun. Also, um, it, it also reminded me of, have you ever seen Black Dynamite? No, is that new? Is that the new? It one came out in two thousand nine. Uh, Michael J. White, oh, okay, who then. was Spawn, he he made his own black exploitation movie. It it was a parody. It was a comedy, but uh, I I remember it coming out, but I don't think I've seen <laughs> one it. One of the characters, it was a joke on the guy who played Blackula, 
The guy who played Blackula okay. was a British Royal Shakespeare actor. And they're like, who could possibly be this undercover agent? And it's Baron Vaughn, comedian Baron Vaughn. He's like, not I, said me. And he's talking in this British accent. And that's pretty. Sad. And when I watch Bill and Ted, when I hear Diane Franklin, who is, I think she's from like Pittsburgh. She's American. <laughs> but when I hear her do the British accent, and it's so flawless, I just think of of Black Dynamite in that scene. And it always makes me laugh. Oh, Scott and his black exploitation movies. What can I Very say? Silly. I know you like what you like, and it's adorable. <laughs> um. So Bill and Ted. Uh, so Scott. <laughs> Uh, there's a, a point in this movie that you have told me that, so you watched this movie a th- like a thousand million times. And there's a scene that always makes me cry. That's what I was just going to say, because, so you, you prefaced me watching this movie with, you've, so, you watched it three times this week and it makes you cry every time. And I'm watching this movie and I'm like, okay, I got to steal myself for, for this, this moment that's going to make me cry. So I got two, two options as to when it is i assume it's going to be the second one so at the very end of the movie uh abraham lincoln steps forward and he starts to to get really like the the music cuts and he starts to talk very seriously and i was like this is it this is gonna be it and he says party on and be excellent to each other and i was like okay so i guess that might not be it because it was kind of a joke and then there's another part where they go to the future and all these people come out and start playing air guitar and and nothing is said except for party on and be excellent and then they leave it's you yeah, it's us. Where are we? And that may, how, how does that, okay, what about that? gets you because it's i'm because, i assume it's because they think they're idiots bill and ted themselves think they're morons and they don't know how important they are to the fabric of time and then having all these people come out and then just do the air cut guitar because they worship them like gods and like it oh fuck i'm getting choked up talking about it now like it's the whole rufus did what he's supposed to do with time travel he didn't tell them that it is how do I wear this? Rufus didn't tell them that society relies on them. He didn't tell them that he was anything other than there to help them pass their class. So they think he's some time travel tutor, which would make an excellent sitcom. Time travel tutor. Band name, I call it. <laughs> but then they, they get to the future and Clarence Clemens is like, it's you. And he's like, yeah, it's us. Who are we? Like, and then everyone just comes out and they're so happy to see them. And it it's like when you and I talked about a goofy movie, which was also written by Chris Matheson. And and Did when Max finally gets on stage and Roxanne is like blushing. It's that type of moment. Like, it just makes me feel good. It's like, oh my God, they, they're now realizing how important they are and they don't understand. 
what's interesting to me about that is it comes in the middle of the movie. Like I was expecting like a, a heartstring moment or a tugging of your heartstrings to come towards the end, like at the the Abraham Lincoln. So I, I love the structure of this film in that sense, where like it you would not expect that moment, a sweet heartfelt moment to come like in the middle of it. The other scene that also gets me a little choked up is at the end, the very end when the princesses show up because they're like, oh, we're never going to see them again. And then Rufus is like, hey, I brought you two beautiful girls. Also, where are they going to live? But <laughs> With them, apparently. They don't. Be- they're in the. They're, are they in the future movies? Yeah. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah, but they're played by different actresses. Oh, boo. But they oh, do wow. it like the J- James Bond style. Like, they get someone different. Like, oh, do they get killed at the beginning and then get replaced with a different person? I'm thinking of Austin Powers. Just kidding. Um, uh, you know what I really like about this is the use of time travel. Um, I am a not a big time travel nerd, but I I loved the way. So at the very beginning, uh, when Rufus first shows up, you have future Bill and Ted show up and kind of like you, they are the ones who nudge. Bill and Ted to go with them with Rufus themselves, like Bill S. Preston Esquire and Ted Theodore Logan. Gentlemen, I'm here to help you with your history report. What? How? Whoa! Oh, I hate that part. Bill, what? Strange things are afoot at the Circle K that type of stuff. And I was fully expecting that to be like a, there's a moment in one of the Futurama movies, Bender's big score where Bender comes, uh, when Bender shows up a future version of Bender and he's like, Hey, I'm Bender from all the way at the end. And I expected that to be like one of the last scenes was them going back there. But that happens like once again, in the middle of the movie, like you get this, like this looping effect uh, of watching it. And then at the very end, when they're doing the, uh, the, the heist sequence or the, the breaking out of the jail sequence where I fucking loved that. I was so on board with the whole point of like, we'll just have to remember to go to the future and get the keys and put them here. And then we're going to have to remember to do a tape recorder and play that over there. And then, Oh, we're going to read this message and duck. Like it was so fun. That came about because they didn't know how the hell they were going to break them out. And they're like, what if we just had them go into the future? And I think it legitimately was genius. Like I, I thought it was so clever and so fun for like, like I said, like this movie is not like, um, it's not high art, (laughs) but for them to do something like that, it was fucking great. I loved it. It was so fun. It was just like, what's going to happen? What, is the next silly thing that they're going to do that they don't need to explain or show it. It's just something fun can happen. And it's just, Oh, it's time travel and it's hand wavy in it. But they always have like the caveat of like, we have to remember to go and do this. But then they're always like, but, we but did. it's here. So we did <laughs> like, I, I love that. I love the idea also of, so this is basically like, it's like a linear time. Um, there's no, there's no um, like creation of alternate timelines like Back to the Future. Like Back to the Future is really messy if you start thinking about it. Where like that original timeline with like Marty and Marty's like sad sack, terrible parents, like that still exists. And like the the good one that Marty created by going back, like that's already different. Um, or that's a different timeline. Whereas this one, it's like it's recursive on itself. Where like everything that has has happened has already happened. I think that it's happens in line. the third one. 
what that they there, there's back, multiple or... multiverses and timelines. Oh no! Come on, no, I, I, like they've already set it up. So it, 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 this movie was perfect in that sense. They like they tied up all the loose ends that I can think of well, after watching it once. Apparently, this movie is about fathers and daughters because, mm-hmm. um, well, this isn't a spoiler for the movie. Once again, I haven't seen Bill and Ted Face the Music <laughs> yet. I'm just speculating off of the trailer and the clips. But Bill and Ted are fathers, and they have two daughters. Rufus's daughter is in is in the new one, not George Carlin's actual. That's 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 Kristen Shaw. Kristen right? Shaw and Holland Taylor is is Rufus's widow, but I think the fact that Rufus died, not that I know this, I think the fact that Rufus oh. died kind of set the timeline off. Okay. Because and because Rufus was the one who was keeping them on track. Mm-hmm. And I think I think it screwed everything up. And so, with him no longer being there to guide them, then see. Also, I haven't seen the second one, but I know they end up going to hell and heaven. Yes. So, like maybe that could be a way because once you start dealing with like literal gods, like at that point, anything is is fair game. So if they they tie it into that, sure, whatever. Well, the crazy thing is, we did bogus journey for. Uh, summer flopbuster two years ago before we oh. did excellent adventure because i was like uh i'm i'm gonna save excellent adventure until the new one comes out well you know in the timeline uh it's linear so sure i don't know man <laughs> that's cool though um we haven't talked about napoleon <laughs> we haven't talked about napoleon he made me want to eat some ice cream i want i wanted the ziggy piggy since i was fucking Five years old. I love that he's wearing that button for the remainder of it. And like that's another thing. So like the Napoleon scenes have no bearing on anything. They're just funny jokes with Napoleon. He eats a big bowl of ice cream. The water park was f- fantastic. Yeah, the water park. It. Um, I'm pretty sure we could see Napoleon's Bonaparte. <laughs> I didn't look at that. I definitely saw his butt. Crack. Yeah, you could like, see his butt. <laughs> but my point is, like, is that his Bonaparte? His his bathing suit is not a bathing suit like it's just his undergarments like and i liked that attention to detail i was like oh this must just be what he was just wearing but it was so funny oh man that's why this uh, movie was rated pg-13 the so the ziggy piggy scene the two guys Mm -hmm. the guys who are doing eat the pig that's that's chris matheson and ed solomon oh cool they're the ones who like showed up and gave it like like that one that's a one that's awesome. Two, that restaurant would make me feel really mean. Like, it, like they clearly have like this. Like, uh, it's almost like you know, uh, if you can eat this, then you get like a special thing, like those like big beefy burgers that people make. And like, if you can eat it in ten it's minutes, free. then you get uh, your. It's free. You get your picture on the wall and a free heart attack, like things like that. But for this, um, the way that they respond once Napoleon does it, they're like mean. They're like you fat piece of shit. <laughs> It's like so rude. I was like, "Wow, the '80s were a different time." So the two girls that are with Deacon, with mm-hmm. Napoleon, um, it took me ha- almost thirty years to realize those two girls are twins. It took me to like maybe this year to realize those two girls are twins. <laughs> They're identical see, twins. See, Scott, this is why I'm a better movie watcher than you because it took me three days to realize that when you just told me because I've only seen it three days ago. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm very ashamed to admit that. 
I don't think you'd have to be ashamed. They didn't. I didn't notice it. They didn't look it to me. But um, cool. <laughs> That's fun. Well, because they uh, they are in the bowling alley yeah. scene as well, right? Yes, the bowling alley scene where the guy who looks like Burr Lives is like, "Hey, buddy, you gotta pay." <laughs> pay sacre bleu. That, uh, and Napoleon was fun. Napoleon was also someone who I was like half expecting him because like he when he first sees Bill and Teddy, he tries to kill him. Right. So like I was fully expecting like someone to go on a rampage, and Genghis Khan kind of does in the mall, um, but like nowhere near as violent as like if this movie was rated R <laughs> or if it was actually they brought Genghis Khan home. Also, Billy the Kid fires a gun off in uh, in in school. Not just then, right? in the mall too. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Holy shit. That was, I was like, you cannot do that nowadays. Like, that was, whoa. Different times back then. Well, you gotta gotta think that the the people in school weren't scared because they probably thought all of these people were actors. They probably thought Bill and Ted hired actors. I would assume that as well. Like, that would make sense to me. Like, that's what you would think would happen. And whoever put together their... uh, on, in the Bill and Ted group, they call it the first TED Talk. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Oh, I like that. But, that's clever. But it really is. Like, their their report is awesome. The fact that they only got an A-plus and, like, he didn't just give them an A-plus for the rest of the year. Because they had well, lights. The end of the year, right? They had music cues. They had uh, special effects. They had sword fighting. <laughs> like... Yeah, that was awesome. I liked that a lot, actually, because that um, the Joan of Arc sword fight, because that uh, went back to when they were in medieval times, and uh, Alex Winter or, or Bill was doing sword fighting. Like uh, this script is actually really, really good. Like there was so much setup, setup and payoff. I was so impressed with it. I was not expecting it to be that tight. Like it was really well done. I could quote this movie all day. Put them in the Iron Maiden. Excellent. Execute them. <laughs> Bogus. Oh, yeah. Oh, so fun. Just every this movie it's was great. So good. What did Tiffany think of it? She loved it. She absolutely loved it. And I thought she was gonna dislike it. Once again, I didn't super remember what happens or, or it was um yeah, I didn't fully remember what happened. So I was like, she's not that big a fan of like stoner comedies. That's what I was expecting. And it from like because we we would we would pause it often and like just talk about how much we were enjoying it while we were watching it, which is the advantage of watching a movie at home. Um, so like we would just like pause and be like, "This is really good. We're both really liking this right now." And so she fucking loved it. The way she described this movie, and I 100% agree with her, is um, this is a movie that you put on when you're uh, homesick from school or you you're, you're taking a sick day. This is like the perfect like yeah. chicken noodle soup, just like warm comfort movie like you don't have to super pay attention to it if you fall asleep during it it's not that big of a deal but every part of it is like just comforting and and lovely yeah that that you hit the nail on the head exactly like it's this movie was fantastic it's so good and uh they made a cartoon of it there obviously there was a cartoon but guess who did i remember the cartoon guess who did the voices for rufus bill and ted was it Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves yeah. and uh, and George Carlin? That's great. Um, I remember it. What I don't think Michael J. Fox did the voice of the Back to the Future one. No, that was one, David Kaufman. But, um, but uh, Christopher Lloyd did uh, Doc Brown. He only did Doc cool. Brown for the live action stuff. The cartoon was really? Dan Castellaneta. 
Son of a bitch, I'm an idiot. Mary Steenburgen actually everything. did the voice of Clara, though. Very cool. I love uh, I love her. Because you can't find someone who she... can do a Mary Steenburgen impression. True. It's like trying to get she someone who does Kristen Shaw. Oh, Kristen Shaw is so great. I love Kristen Shaw. But yeah, I'm so excited for the new one. I'm this one is just so good. And um th- when we're we we're talking about how like positive they are and always happy, I do love we get to see them be angry, but they're not angry like the way you'd think. Bill only gets angry when Ted points out how cute his stepmom is. And like one one of my favorite things is when he's like your stepmom, your dad's going for it in your own bed. Shut up, Ted. Your stepmom is pretty cute. Shut up, Ted. Remember when I asked her to prom? Shut up, Ted. And then he just gives a little, Keanu Reeves just gives a little, eh? <laughs> just gives a little mm-hmm. smile. That was, that was adorable. And like, that was the only, that also was like a weird part where like, Bill's dad's like, get out of here. I'm going to bone your stepmom in your room. Because like, I know you're in love with on, her. Dude. Come on, dude. That's uh, a little bit messed up. Also, both films, I love that they don't do the cliche in both films. I hope they don't do it in the third one where they're like, no, what, Ted, I don't need you. Like, I'm glad that they didn't. Oh, oh, like the falling out moment or like, um, uh, what's it it called? There's like in basketball uh, misunderstanding or whatever. In basketball, they do it. Oh yeah, they definitely do. It's a very common trope. It's like it's an easy way to manufacture tension in a, a right before a third act, or like in the third act before the big climax, which is exactly when those things happen. And it's always like cheaply done, where it's like the misunderstanding, like oh my girlfriend is helping me pull up my pants because I I have broken wrists, and the, my the the real person walks in and is like oh what's going on here? Ah, I'm mad at the two of you. It's like bullshit like that. Um, very Hallmark movie. Shit. Yeah. Um, did you see the the rest of the cast of the new one? I have not. I've only watched one trailer, um, and I don't remember who else is in it. So, um, do you watch Barry? I don't. I've watched like the first two episodes. No, ho really Hank. good, but I haven't continued. No, ho Hank, the don't, the bald guy, the young bald guy. Oh, hey, how's it don't going, remember. buddy? He's the bad guy in, in the new one. Oh, okay. Oh, that's cool. Um, oh, it, yeah. That's but cool. the daughters are played by Samara Weaving, who was in one of my favorite movies last year. Did you see Ready or I Not? I know that name. Yes. She's, I did. She's the main girl in that. Oh, she's cool. She's playing Bill's daughter. Nice. And, okay. Uh, I didn't recognize her at all. And um, uh, Bridget uh, Lundy is playing uh, Billy. Very yeah. cool. Is that um is that Bill's daughter? Or? Yes, Bill's daughter. Um, but Bridget uh Bridget is a non non-binary actor who fights for human rights. And I'm like, that makes so much sense for this movie. Like like it looks like Brigitte Lundy Payne. Brigitte. I may be incorrect, but it looks like Brigitte. B-R-I-G-E-T-T-E. I think that's Brigitte. Yep. Might be Bridget. I don't know. But uh, they are a fantastic actor. If you've seen Atypical, if you've seen uh, whatever the else, Glass Castle. What? Irrational Man, The Glass Castle, Wild Wedding, Downsizing, Action Point, Bombshell, Action like Point, which is a terrible movie, but Brigitte is the best part of the movie. Cool. 
So, That's so neat. Yeah. But, uh, so, yeah, I'm so excited for the new movie. I'm so excited for just the fact that Bill and Ted is making a resurgence. And that song, the song In Time that's playing in the future, um, and mm-hmm. it also plays at the end, that's a bop. That song fucking slaps. It really is. It's so yeah. good. The, the soundtrack in this, despite being mostly like heavy electric guitars, is really good. Um, it was it fit the, the the theming, and it fit the tone of the movie really, really well. The crazy thing is they act like they're headbangers, but they aren't. They're just like... They they just like they're like glam rock almost like the music that they play almost sounds like glam glam metal and the the crazy thing is Eddie Van Halen when they're like we're not gonna have a triumphant album until we get Eddie Van Halen but we need a triumphant music video first yeah but we need Eddie Van Halen Van Halen saw the movie he's like I would have done it if they just asked me I'm like fuck you Van Halen no you wouldn't have everyone knows what an asshole you are. That is the easiest, like, yeah, I, I totally would have done it if they'd asked. Like, that's so, like, that's such a cheap thing to say. Like, I, I also agree with you. I call bullshit because, like, if it's it's a, not, a no-name movie prior to that, like, it's only because it achieved recognition that he'd be willing to do it. Does he show up in the sequel? No. No, but the weirdest thing is uh, um, the guy from Faith No More shows up in Bogus Journey. Okay. Um, and Primus shows up. Okay. Yeah, so in the sequel, there's a battle of the bands that Bill and Ted somehow still don't know how to play music, but they get in the battle of bands, and the bands in it are like Primus and like Pantera, and like. Okay. These... That's, that's wow. That's funny. That's intense. Yeah. You know what? Um, it kind of reminds me of, even though it's like super different, uh, is almost like a Wayne's World, like in terms of like the the level of celebrity cameo that they get for things like that, which is pretty neat. I mean, everyone says how smart Wayne's World is. This is up there too. Like, for two guys who are kind of like dim, they're they're pretty smart. Like, Bill and Ted, they they're smart. They just don't study. Yeah, yeah. And and their their teacher even says basically like you know the material. It's just they don't like apply themselves or even it even goes to show with uh, the music. Like they love the idea. They're in love with the idea of being rock stars, but they've never actually put in the hard work. Um. Also, when they free uh, all of the the historical figures from prison, they also free a bunch of prostitutes. Did you notice? Yeah, they, they were, like they freed everyone in that prison, and uh, some of them were drug dealers and prostitutes. Ladies of the night. Great. Now I just want to go because it's the ladies of the night. Oh night. Oh yeah. I've been doing it's that with, the with, the with making songs out of stuff. Well, that's uh, half the fun of living. I'll, because of this, I've just been making songs out of everything now. Yeah, I uh, I like to do that as well. It's a lot. <laughs> I of did fun. it with the yeah, sing what sing what you're doing. <laughs> uh, recording a podcast. Recording a podcast with Scott. 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 Yeah. Shit like that. <laughs> yeah, we don't have to pay that's royalties fun. on that one. But yeah. Yeah. This. Also, I love how we see Rufus three times in this movie. Only three times. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Like, I, he's like barely in it. Um, he just shows up. His monologue at the beginning what? is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. What are you talking about like at the very beginning, right before he goes jumps in the poop? Yes. <laughs> Bowling averages are way up. Mini golf scores are way low. And if you know how golf is played, that is a very inside baseball joke. 
It's a very good thing. And they have. I always thought it was funny that when people are like, "Oh, this is above par," like that's not good. That's not good, guys. You want to be below par. But yeah, I was trying to think of like who they were gonna get to be the Rufus in this one and the in the new one, and the fact that it's Kristen Shaw makes a lot of sense. Why does that make sense? Because like George Carlin, she's a comedian. She's known for doing a lot of sitcomy stuff. Known for doing a lot of voiceover work, just like George Carlin was in the l- late '80s. Like, it just makes a lot of sense. Well, he wasn't known for voiceover; he was known for children's entertainment with Shining Time Station. But she's oh, that's cool. She's no, no. Oh my God, was he on Shining Time he, Station? He was Mr. Conductor. Shining Time Station. Do I remember Shining Time Station? What the fuck did you just unlock in my mind? What's Shining Time Station? Shining Time Station. Sorry, this is. Is that the one like it just like was like a single set like a like a train station yeah. and like people would just show up? Oh, the first the original Mister Conductor was Ringo Starr, and then he didn't want to do it anymore, so they got George Carlin. Oh my god! Oh shit! I remember this. Okay. Anyways, moving on. He always told stories Jesus about Thomas Christ. the Tank Engine, but yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry. But Woof. that's why I was like, yeah, Kristen Schultz is the perfect person to be. She's not as like controversial as Carlin was. Um, and so I think that's kind of his appeal uh, in these in situations like this, because he would do a lot of like children's stuff, like you're saying, Shine Time Station. And I remember like other like this and other things. But like he was like a very vulgar and crass man. Not that she's not, but he was like controversial in a way that she's not. You've never seen her stand up, have you? <laughs> I have, but it's it's like I've never heard like, you know, like he had like the the dirty words you couldn't say on on TV, and like that was like incredibly famous and um, it caused a lot of like backlash. Whereas like I've heard her talk about like her vagina and things like that. Like yes, that's like crass, but it's not shocking nowadays. Yeah, if that makes sense. I mean, she's still can, great though. I loved her on um, Last Man on Earth. Can, also, I think that's how she got this too. Was last man on last man on yeah. earth? Why is there a connection that I don't know? Just like the whole dystopia future type of setting, and she's just funny as hell. I mean, oh, she's hysterical, and she's in like everything at this point. Like she shows up in like she was on um what we do in the shadows. Like she's she's everywhere. I mean, when I was when I was I hate to keep saying when I was at the Daily Show, but this was around the time period that she was on the Daily Show. And she, That's right, she that. was so much fun to be around. Like I would just be like walking by. I'm like, oh, hi, Kristen. She's like, hi, Scott. How are you? Like, <laughs> That's adorable. That's awesome. I forgot that you were on The Daily Show. Thank you. That was the first time you brought it up this, this, this episode. Is it usually once an episode? No. No, it's like every maybe once in a blue moon. Well, starting the season off strong. <laughs> With a reference to The Daily Show. Hey, did everyone know that Scott was on The Daily Show? He hung out with John Stewart and John Oliver <laughs> and and Stephen Colbert. Uh, Colbert was Colbert was already on his own show at that point. Oh, well, well, then why even talk about being on The Daily Show, then, Scott? I was What's there that? when it was Oliver, Wyatt Sinek, Kristen Schull, John Hodgman, Jason Jones, uh, Sam B. And you've told me stories about how you, you were good friends with uh, Donald Glover as well. Uh, yeah, didn't I'm not good number? friends. I met him twice. Oh, met him twice. That's... No, the person who f- at the Daily Show was there when I was there that I would talk to all the time was Josh Gad. 
oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, it was snowing so, one time, and I asked if he wanted to build a snowman. Uh, I was going to say, are you and Olaf? Does Olaf still like, hey, Scott, you want to come see my movie? No. Oh, boo. No. What a jerk. I haven't talked to him in 10 years, 11 years. Send him a text right now. Be like, hi, Josh, do you remember me? He'll be like, who is this? <laughs> <laughs> That's my Josh Gad. Uh, it's a good Josh Gad. I, I honestly couldn't think of what his voice would sound like because I feel like I've only seen him as Olaf. He was also in Even Book of Mormon. Like, I haven't seen Book of Mormon. But to just to, to be it. part of that and know people who are going to be in a Bill and Ted movie like Kristen, like, it makes me feel good That's inside. Cool. I would hope. So, yeah. I'm really excited for this. Anyways, yes. Any final good thoughts? Movie. Bill and Ted's a great Final thoughts is this movie uh, surprised me, and I really, really enjoyed it. It was just a, a ton of fun. Uh, I highly recommend it. Um, how about yourself? Final thoughts? There? It's one of my favorite movies of all time, so I love it. <laughs> That's totally fair. Uh, how many bagels do you give it? And let me guess. Is it 13? It's 13, man. This is, a, this is so much fun. It's perfect. Like It hits all the beats. Totally it does fair. what it has to do. Uh, the historical figures are so much fun, especially Socrates. Like, if you just see the stuff he's doing in the background of like when they're in the future council, and he's like, "Stay, stay there," and Billy the Kid just is like, and he goes, "Oh!" and he points. He's like, and he just does a thumbs up. Uh, I will give this movie twelve, only because there is that one, one word that like. It, I was like, whoa. And like it, it they stand out like a sore thumb at this point when they do things like they that. They do it in the second and, one too. Oh no. They're not gonna do it in the third, I promise They're you. They're not, but um, but also it's the evil ones that say it in the second one. Oh, the evil okay, villain. So that's a little bit that's a little bit fine. Um it's better, I guess. It doesn't age someone well. Who you're not supposed to like. It doesn't. It's it's shocking. I don't want to say shockingly doesn't age well, but it's shocking when it happens. Um, because the rest of it's so wholesome. But it's anyways that twelve. Other than that, amazing, fantastic movie. Really liked it. I cannot recommend it enough. Thanks for doing this, my friend. Season premiere. You're welcome. Thank you very much for uh, for having me once again. This has been. Uh, this was such a shocking... I was not expecting to like it as much as I did, so I, I really thank you for, for turning me on to this uh, franchise. I'm very excited to see Bogus Journey and see the new one now when it comes out. Yeah, I mean, just so you know, if you pre-order the new one, <laughs> you get a $3 credit on Voodoo. Are you... Did they sponsor this? Does that $3 go directly into your pockets, Scott? No. You shill. I wish I had a sponsorship... Did I tell you that I've been trying to get like sponsorships from like Philadelphia cream cheese and like Brugger's bagels and like bagel plate? Yeah, you told me like the not the weird ones, but like because you are bagely people, so like you have you have any luck? Nope. <laughs> Would they do they sponsor podcast? I feel like this is the exact same question I asked last time. Do they even sponsor podcasts or sponsor anything? Um, I know that Philadelphia cream cheese has been doing a ton of like YouTube sponsor ads. So oh, okay. like, come on. Do the podcast. Come on. Philadelphia cream cheese. Oh, my God. Yeah. The only you cream cheese. Get them on use, the use the code WBBB to get 5% off. Uh. And when you don't get 5% off, write in and complain. 
and say, why didn't my code work? Uh, you have a sponsorship with with Writer's Bagel Basket, and you, we're gonna tr- we're gonna gaslight them into thinking that they have a sponsorship. Then I just turn into Mona Lisa Saperstein, like money, please, money, please. Just finished watching Parks and Rec again. <laughs> Such a good show. I mean, like that. The only other person that I could think of being in Bill and Ted as like Rufus's kid is like Ben Schwartz. Oh, that would be so good. They should have just got Ben Schwartz and um, I can't think of it, Jenny Slate. They should have just gotten the two of them. As siblings. That would have been fantastic. Yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> Our dad got run over by Alexis. <laughs> what, what was it in the new one in, in the, the Parks and Rec special? I got run over by a Porsche. <laughs> oh, I don't remember. I, I did watch it, but I don't recall Just what the it was. image of Ben Schwartz with the thing around his neck. Mm-hmm. Made me laugh. I think I love the one where where he's like, uh, uh, I forget what it was, but like, oh, when you, when you fell down and, and broke your ribs, it never healed right. Every breath is agony, son. <laughs> Anyways, so next next week we're watching uh, Punky Brewster. Uh, it's season two, episode six or four. I'll put all the information. You can watch it on Peacock. This is the Challenger episode. Ooh, this is the episode. That's dark. <laughs> that's why it's now your average Saturday morning. Like, like there's an episode where Punky Brewster in her class watched the Challenger explode. Oh, that's. I don't know if I like that. <laughs> that's why that's you're on a, this one and not that one. I don't know what I would have said about that. Just been like, just, okay, enjoy. I, the reason why Oof, that I picked that we have another returning guest on that one, but. Just Henry Watermont in that that episode, she comes crying and she's like, "Henry, we watched the Challenger," and he's like, "What happened next, Punky?" <laughs> like, <laughs> blow by blow. Oh man, this this might need to be cut. But I was in Target the other day and I was looking at some of the kids' books because I'm trying to find a boxcar children uh, number one. Can't find that anywhere, by the way. Um, and they have like these like explaining books for children like what is the white house what is um the internet what what are these things and one of the books is what were the two towers oh, Jesus. and i it, exactly I, like i it was just like i i didn't know how to react to looking at it i was so uncomfortable twin towers like, right? obviously that's something you need to because two towers is lord of the rings Yes, Twin Towers, Twin Towers. Yeah, okay. See, I've already um, blocked it out in my memory, and I'm I'm only turning it into something positive. What what were, what was the alliance between orcs and men? J.R. J- J- Tolkien's. <laughs> what were the two towers? Okay, now that I would read because uh, because I'm curious about the White Hand of Saruman well, here. But it was yeah. What were the Twin Towers? And it was just like. It like it like went into like the day of, and I was just like, "Oh my god, this is heavy well." Then they have to do kids. one with the challenger too. I would like I would imagine like it's something like I've never thought about where you like explain. Sorry if this is going in your next episode. I've never thought about like having to explain like national tragedies to children in a way that's like outside of a school setting. Because I remember learning about the challenger, but I don't remember like, and I remember learning about like Pearl Harbor, but. Something else that's like so recent. Well, the crazy know, thing man. is, in the future, you're going to have to explain to children what 2020 was. That's so true. Man, fucking seeing kids wearing masks is so goddamn depressing right now. Um, I was going into a Walmart, and 
uh, there was like this like security check to make sure you were wearing a mask before you go in. And there was a, a, a mother and a daughter in front of me and the daughter had to have been like f- five or under and she was wearing her mask and the door greeter looks at her and goes, that's a really cute mask. And I was like, motherfucker, do not normalize this for people. It was really that's disturbing that they were trying. <laughs> exactly. Like it was really disturbing that they were trying to like, obviously you're trying to make the children feel comfortable and whatever, but it's just so heartbreaking to me like what is going on right now with the the normalization of like this terrible disease and obviously we need to protect people and obviously we need to um like yes wear your mask yes be smart and safe when you go out please stay home if you if you can don't go Um, to parties with over like 10 people just i mean the only way that i see my friends now is is through through Zoom, through Zoom, which is like a weird blessing because I feel like I see my friends a little. Yeah, bit I see more you now, more than I've Zoom, seen you more now than I've seen you in the last three years. That's so true. <laughs> like it's one hundred percent true, and like not because like I didn't like coming over and doing it, but it's so much easier to just like sit in my office and be like, let's do a do a podcast as opposed to like schlepping an hour and a half to go visit you or having you come up and visit me and then like then we have to make a day of it which is fucking i don't want to spend more than 20 minutes with you man thanks you made my 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 podcast super depressing and now you're insulting me (laughs) why don't you just put (laughs) sugar in my gas tank but then you would have to drive all the way here to do it i'd have to come all over to you which we are not doing be safe stay home don't be dumb Well, well one thing that that we can do i'll i'll tell you off mike but uh okay once again thank you for doing this my friend you're very welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm sorry I got super depressing, but Bill and Ted's a very cute movie, so go yeah, and watch it. Yeah, this is the movie that I've been watching the most during this dark, dark time, because... Oh, I could see yeah, that. Yeah, because it just makes me feel good. I'm like, hey, remember That's malls? Awesome. <laughs> like, right? Oh, man. Every time I see a mall in a movie, I get weirdly nostalgic for a time that was was that was before me. It's like whenever I see like, an 80s arcade... Yeah, in the before four times. No, but even like growing up, like malls were on the decline. They they weren't like the beacon of like consumerism and like where teens went to hang out. I never got to go hang out at a mall as a teen. I did occasionally, but it was never the level that I saw in media. Like the media uh, depiction of like teens hanging out at a mall is an era that I never got to really experience. And uh, this is a simpler time in these movies. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Thanks for doing this. I I'm so glad that you love this movie. Um, You're welcome. <laughs> but uh, yeah, until next time, I'm Scott Carlin. I'm Dwight Stern. Bye. Bye. Bye.